It's now time for Team Talk on ESPN Radio 1017 The Team. 1017 The Team is your home for New Mexico United, the Dallas Cowboys, LA Dodgers, and much more. Now, Team Talk on 1017 The Team. And welcome to Team Talk. Happy Friday afternoon to you. We're here until 5 o'clock, and then we've got the Yankees, Red Sox, Cubs, Dodgers doubleheader again. Both games uh, last night, uh, very good games. And then don't forget, New Mexico United, tomorrow night, 7 o'clock at the Lab. We'll do our pre-match at 6. But we're going to have a lot of fun in the meantime. Dr. Paul Weir, the Athletic Director at Eastern New Mexico, and of course part of our Team Talk show here for a number of months, is joining us in studio. Sam Hauser is obviously here uh, behind the glass. He was on assignment yesterday, but now he's back better than ever. And Dr. Weir, it's good to see you. I've got to cut to the chase, man, is conference realignment. I mean, my goodness. You know, when you were coming on with us uh, a while back, you you said, watch out for it. There's going to be some big things, you know. And, of course, OU Texas happened. But arguably, the UCLA-USC is even bigger than the OU Texas, Paul. As far as ramifications across other people or other conferences and schools, you're you're probably right. I think when the Big 12 SEC move happened, it, it impacted a certain amount of schools. This move impacts many more than that. So it, it's, it's fascinating reading and learning about this every day. Uh, as a sports fan, it's, it's a new frontier, and I don't know if anyone can – credibly sit here and tell you what's going to happen next and, and what the implications are going to be. You you might suppose what might happen, but whew, this is this is new new ground, new territory. Yeah, you've got the geography because literally you're going from one coast to the other yes. coast. I mean yes. couldn't be, you know, many places further apart than what you have there. Uh but in this day and age of charter flights, and of course that's how UCLA and UC USC travel. And you know, it was three hours for them to play the University of Washington when they went to Seattle. And, you know, I don't know how many more hours it'll take one way, but but that's just Part of the equation, uh, the the geography, uh, it's kind of about the ones that are in the middle of those two things and the effect on a variety of conferences out of the gate. Uh, the Pac-10, uh, excuse me, the Pac-12, uh, you know, you got really only a couple of high-profile schools left in that conference, like Oregon. I, you know, obviously you make a case for them, and Arizona, you make a case for them. But otherwise, the rest of the conference, I'm sorry to say, at least in 2022, are not going to knock your socks off. I think the amazing part of this, and obviously I have a, a career in, in higher ed through college athletics, so it, it's it's a particular lens that I'm looking at this with, but there is more to athletics um, at a university than college football. College football is driving all of these decisions, but there's a lot of other people in college athletics that are going to have to kind of see where this fits for them. And, and, and God bless college football. I, I love it and watch it like, like everybody else does, but they're bringing a lot of other elements into what are major college football decisions and I think those questions going on on campuses right now um, are legitimate ones. There's just so much money being thrown at it that it's throwing those away. If my son or daughter played at Stanford uh, at a particular sport that wasn't football, 
um, it might make sense for me to drive and, and watch them play at Berkeley, at UCLA, at USC, at wherever those games might be. But for now, for my son or daughter to be playing games in Maryland and New Jersey, I mean, I'm, I, I might not be able to go. And now my son or daughter may not want to go there. And now the, the time away from being on a campus that you would want them at or you would want them in. Or, there, there's, so, there's so many different consequences to this outside of football <laughs> that used to trump these decisions now the money is so large, I don't even know if that justifies it anymore. I mean, someone would look at me and say, I'm sorry, you know, Johnny or Jane can go somewhere else. This is it. Right. And, and I get it. So it's, it's, been, it's such a turn, and college athletics going forward um, ha- always had an element of nostalgia, always had an element of just America to it. And <laughs> as it moves into this kind of professional sphere, I think is going to have to just consider what those branding consequences are. And and maybe there are none. Maybe it, this is just so enormous and so entertaining that it is going to become uh, a giant professional sports organization in and of itself and continue to thrive and grow. Yeah, you know, when you saw West Virginia competing in the Big 12. That was unusual. Mizzou in the SEC. I mean, of course, Maryland in the Big 10 and Rutgers in the Big 10. Uh, and you know, it, it's been evolving, but now it's really coming to a head. Um, so you mentioned the money. Um, another school that, and I, I'm not going to put you on the spot about the situation specifically at Notre Dame, but like, you know, they're the ones that are still out there. Do you think I mean, this is just a guess. I mean, is this is all of this stuff gonna bode well for UNL uh, Notre Dame, or do you think Notre Dame may have to like now conform because they were able to kind of do things everybody else wasn't able to do? But now that you've got the competitiveness of Ohio State playing UCLA every every year and Michigan playing USC in a conference game, I mean, the glamour I think comes off of Notre Dame a hair. It could. I think the college football playoff format will have a lot to do with it. So how does an independent fit or not fit, if their chances of of still being in it are high, then potentially they can sit. I mean, I would say if you're looking at this from 30,000 feet, not the last two weeks of of news feeds, there's probably a little bit of, well, maybe there's some more chips to fall before Notre Dame just decides to go and do something. So I, I, I would even on their end, probably do a lot more analysis into where does this fit into the college football playoff for, for a lot of non-SEC Big uh, SEC Big Ten teams. Wh- where do they all fit in? And then where does the rest of this kind of flesh itself out? I will say, I mean, the Notre Dame um, athletic director has been on record in the past because I've used some of his material in, our, um, in, a, in a class that I teach and he has been on record saying that there are parts of where this is going that Notre Dame might not subscribe to, that they are a religious-affiliated institution, they have a little bit of a different set of values, and that they might not necessarily align themselves with these athletic, only aspiring, competitive-oriented goals. Now, that might seem foreign to your average Notre Dame football fan, but I will say he, he has had comments like that in the past. And I, I do think Notre Dame will be very measured from, from what I've read with their decisions in this. It's not going to be out of panic. We need to jump on this thing or we're going to lose a bunch of money. I think there's more depth to that institution as a whole and that they consider that uh, an important part of who they are, not just going and chasing and belonging to something that might not fit with their spirit. 
Yeah, it's it's not going to be out of panic, but I, I think eventually, even you know, again as you mentioned, Paul, just you know, seeing some of the comments over time from from Jack Swarbrick, even he know, he's the athletic director, even he knows kind of where everything is going in in college sports, and like you said, football just driving it the way that it does. Eventually, they may or may not have a choice, and what you I, I think one of the things you mentioned was probably just the biggest part that's going to affect a lot of some of these decisions. It is the college football playoff because we also have to remember the college football playoff might not even necessarily be the college football playoff in a couple of years if there are two conferences and then a third one that's just you know all the the leftovers, or if there are two conferences and they swallow up all the other ones, that even the college football playoff might be different, and that's what everybody's playing towards. So there is going to be a lot of reactions and decisions just based on on what everybody else does. And the, the part that's so interesting is who's going to be the leader on that like we've so like we saw a couple of years ago when everybody was deciding you know are we going to play football or not during covid you know the sec kind of was at the front and then we saw other conferences make their decisions based around that like who are going to be the leaders in this and it's as of right now it looks like it's probably going to be the sec and the big 10 and so everything just is is going to end up falling around what the two of them decide to do like they're they're ready at this point to take over college sports Agreed, and I would say it's it's going to go based on football and, and Notre Dame analyzing their football program and where that may or may not fit, and then agree to what you're saying, them evaluating what that is based on what they're willing to sacrifice to get there, because I do think some schools have sacrificed to you know move into the conferences or establish their football programs in the way that they have and have sacrificed a lot of other things to get there, and Notre Dame would have to you know, make those same ones. Now, if you're at USC or UCLA, if that means that improving your revenues by $70, $80 million means it's going to cost you just right off the bat an extra 5 or 10 or whatever just for all the other programs to now um, just run operationally the way that you would want, I guess that's the cost of doing business. It never made sense before to run a whole part of your athletic department further into the red, but there's so much more money coming on the other side of the ledger that those those are now you know shifting that way. And again, to your point, that probably moves that needle a little bit further forward in, in their threshold as far as what they're willing to accept in order to maybe make a jump like that. Well, and, and as you use that example, I'm, I'm curious what you make it, you know, as somebody that's moved into the administration side now. Of course, we're talking to Paul Weir, the athletic director at Eastern New Mexico University. There was reporting from the LA Times that UCLA was going to have to cut a handful of their sports just because they were so far in the red with the money not balancing out with the Pac-12, but now you get this influx of tens and tens of millions coming in, and they're... It, it, it seems to be from the reporting that they will be able to potentially keep more of those sports alive. Otherwise, they were going to have to. Uh, they were talking about having to cut upwards of half their athletic department. And and that's the reality of this. Football has always been a huge part of funding college athletics as a whole. In in a from my perspective, in a positive way. I, I, I think when sports and I've been in athletic departments and sports can sometimes get competitive with each other. 
you know, Joe's the within the department. Yes, okay. Joe's the baseball coach at school A. I'm the basketball coach. Sam's the softball coach, and Joe just got X amount of something. And yeah. now me and Sam are at dinner, going, "Well, can you believe Joe got that?" And, right. You know, right. it gets you into this environment where it's not healthy. It's not healthy for a lot of people. Yeah. Football has always been that. Football has always been what's fair as far as what do they get. Um, in, in as far as revenues, and then what's fair to kind of share with everybody else. I mean, Paul Krebs' famous line in the journal, however many years ago, was "You don't eat what you kill," right. and you know, and that, that it, and it's true. I mean, we all uh, as sports have our our strengths and weaknesses, but you are a part of an overall collective and a wider group where um, things are moved around in different ways at the discretion of a department, their director, a school, a president, their vision, um, what they see in the future. And the reality is, and, and I'm a basketball coach through and through, this is football. This is always going to be football. And um, there's no greater example to me as a basketball coach to when Syracuse left the Big East. I mean, it was like as a basketball person, right. it literally like you couldn't sleep for, for a few weeks. Like what happened? Like, right. I grew up on this. That's like, right. Know, like that was yeah. That was a part of basketball. Yeah. And like since then I've probably been a little bit desensitized to like who do basketball coaches think we are? Like we have nothing to do with this. I mean they're talking right now about what could be left of the Big Twelve um, depending on what goes on, and the schools that they're talking about might not be making the cut here going forward are your basketball schools, your Kansases, you know, the schools that, you know, in the basketball world are big. So, again, back to what probably Sam was talking about, I think Notre Dame has to, football is, is their pride and joy. I mean, I think everybody understands that, and they have the rest of their group and department and school to worry about. And to UCLA talking about cutting sports, those are those are realistic options for people in those positions because they know football's revenues are what drives everything. All right, that's Dr. Paul Weir. He's in studio. He'll be with us until 5 o'clock, and then we go to Fenway Park uh, for Yankees, Red Sox, and then to Dodger Stadium for Cubs, Dodgers right here on ESPN Radio 101.7, the team. Um, we're going to talk some TBT here down the road in the show. Uh, Justin Hawkins for the uh, the Panamaniacs uh, are going to be coming and playing the Lobos here in a couple of weeks. But before we go to break, we wanted to bring in Manny Garcia over at Reliable Nissan on Coors Across from Cottonwood Mall. And uh, Manny, from what I understand, like the 4th of July sale, uh, you know, was a huge success. I know you guys had a bunch of free food, a lot of activity. You guys are stocked up with vehicles. Uh, things are going well over there at Reliable Nissan on Coors across from Cottonwood Mall. Right, Manny? Absolutely, Joe. We are having a blast selling these cars and getting them out of here and putting them in driveways. <laughs> I mean, we had our 4th of July sale was a blowout sale and we're continuing the sale with a long tagging to in, in, uh, inflation elimination. Right. And with that, you know, it means vehicles that are, are good on gas mileage. It means all kinds of fine. I mean, it, it, a lot is uh, under that umbrella, Manny. Talk to me, man. Yeah, no, absolutely. Everything is falling under that umbrella. We have a huge tent sale going on this weekend. I mean, we've put up even tents is how big it's going to be. I mean, we got people, we're lowering people's payments, postponing people's payments, deferring it up to 90 days, and putting them in a brand new ride. Certified pre-owned is right now the hottest item right now on our lot, Joe. 
Certified pre-owned. I know that means like a hundred and plus checkpoint uh, type of situation, uh, but also uh, you've got vehicles to fit everybody's budget, Manny. I mean, uh, whether it's five grand, twenty five hundred, seventy five hundred, seventy thousand, uh, you've got vehicles that will satisfy their needs. You've got that right, Joe. We have prices as low as three grand all the way to a hundred and seventy thousand. There you go. <laughs> Whatever you want, we got it, baby. Reliable Nissan's the one-stop shop. All right, and then I know you got a bunch of money in your back pocket because you're still looking to buy vehicles, and you're very aggressive with your offers, and you get it done right away. So uh, you're still looking for cars, Manny. Uh, I know you don't want to travel and go uh, to auctions across the country. You want to buy them right here, and you're paying top dollar. You'll beat any price, right? Absolutely, Joe. Absolutely. Right now, I'm looking for good quality even if they're not even good quality. You bring them in, we're buying them from people. I mean, right now we're trying to help out the community. We understand, again, we're going through a lot of stuff in here in, in, the, in the economy, but right now with a reliable Nissan, we'll buy your car if it runs or doesn't run, and we're paying all the money for it, Joe, because you're right. I don't like going to five different states to have to go buy some cars. All right, Manny. Well, congratulations on a great 4th of July weekend, and keep it up over there. We'll talk to you soon. People can always go to ReliableNissan.com. It's uh, Reliable Nissan on Coors across from Cotwood Mall. Manny Garcia, thank you so much. See you soon, man. Thank you so much, Joe. I appreciate you guys having me on, man. All right. That'll do it. All right. When we come back, we're going to dive into TBT. And uh, this is so much fun that Dr. Paul Weir is in studio uh, with us. Uh, when we come back, we've been having some of the enchantment players on. We've had the GM, uh, uh, Brandon Mason. We had Kenny Thomas. We had Roman Martinez. Well, we're going to get one of the Panamaniacs on next. Uh, Justin Hawkins, former great player at the University of Utah, went to New Mexico State, did the same there. Uh, he'll join us next when we come back. ESPN Radio 1017, the team.